0: Check us out online, packernet.com. Find me on Twitter, pack underscore that am. Well, that was a preseason game. Um, I will say there were several, several surprises. I, I, I'm trying to think if anything went as I expected. Yash um, Nyman was really bad, but he's always been really bad, which is why I was shocked to see him out there immediately. I really didn't think he would be the first guy out on the field, but that's who they trotted out there. And that's kind of what I mean. Also, I, I didn't expect them to hold out that many people. But again, I'm kind of glad. As I said, I, I just I don't see why. If it's me, I'm putting any of these guys out there, right? Bakhtiari, Jenkins. Um, I probably would have played Turner, but they didn't even play Turner. Um, no Adams, no Lazard, no no Marquez. I mean, they. I thought those guys would get a little bit. No Randall. And I know some of this is is injury, but for the most part, it was not just injury. Uh, there was no Aaron Jones very little A.J. Dillon, um, basically a waste of time to even put A.J. Dillon out there because this offensive line was about as bad as I've ever seen an offensive line play ever. Which And and that's sort of the biggest problem with a lot of this is evaluation is hard in football in general because everything kind of plays off of everything else. I was thinking about that when you even try to compare quarterback to quarterback, you know, Josh, uh, Justin Fields to Jordan Love or whatever. But everything depends on the situation, right? PFF posted a uh, video, which there's a, there's a new thing going around that PFF has become Bleacher Report. And I think they're right. It, it's just they're, they're uh, it's like they're two completely opposite co- uh, companies at the exact same time. If you look at their website, it's a good website, not just the premium stuff, but even the articles. I can't even wrap my head around half the stuff. It's too nerdy. It's to the point sometimes where I read it and I'm like, I think you guys are getting a little silly here. It's so much data and so much information and graphs and charts and all that. But then you go on Twitter, and it's like, what is this? So they, they hired different people to run their social media, and the goal is to just blow up the social media, obviously. But I don't understand because it just doesn't, doesn't lend anything to what it is you're trying to accomplish. Probably a terrible example, especially on a Sunday, but it would almost be like if you're a church, and you've got a church and everything you teach is great, but then it's like all right i'm going to hire somebody to go on social media and just blow it up to try to draw attention to what we do here and everything you do is let's just say wildly inappropriate it's going to draw numbers but it just hurts what it is you're trying to accomplish overall Does that makes sense it's i don't it's stupid what they're doing is stupid but anyways they they posted a video of Justin Fields and it's like oh it was the greatest thing i've ever seen Justin Fields had 15 seconds to throw the ball he could he didn't have anybody within 10 yards of him He launched a deep ball to a guy that, I mean, I was being a little hyperbolic about Justin Fields not having anyone 10 yards around him. This receiver, tight end, whatever he was, I think 15 yards was the closest person to him. And he had to come to a dead stop, so it wasn't even a good throw. He didn't hit him in stride. He was standing still in the middle of the field, had to stop to catch this thing, and then I think walked backwards because even after all that time for the ball to travel, he still didn't even have to bother to turn around and speed up to get into the end zone because everybody was so unbelievably far away. Trying to judge that 40-yard pass compared to Jordan Love with a guy in his face, they're not the same thing. And so, how do you evaluate the running backs? And I feel bad for the running backs, especially Dexter Williams, but for a completely different reason. I didn't see him all night. <laughs> he didn't play. I don't know if he's hurt or what, but that's a real bad sign. I did not see him one time. But anyways, you know, you, you can't evaluate anybody because all you have are negative evaluations for the offensive line that make it impossible to evaluate Patrick Taylor, Kylan Hill, A.J. Dillon. And it also makes it hard to evaluate Jordan Love because not just because while he always has pressure in his face or because the wide receivers couldn't get open for a, a real long period of time, at least that's what the announcers were saying. I couldn't obviously see down the field, but they could. And they said nobody was getting any separation. So it's hard to evaluate Jordan Love just on that, but not just that. Trying to build his confidence and build an offensive drive relies on multiple things working. And if the only thing you can do is drop back and throw quick passes, it's not great for evaluation, so the offensive line playing terribly kind of ruined a ton of evaluation. It also didn't help that the Texans basically kept their starters in all game. I heard Kiki QT, QT, whatever, his name in the first quarter and the fourth quarter. I'm not saying they kept everybody in, but the Packers held everybody out, and the Texans kept a lot of guys in. The fact that they had a literally a starting wide receiver in the fourth quarter is a little crazy. So again, the whole thing was it made it kind of difficult to have a really good evaluation. Obviously the the Packers coaching staff will be able to handle it and do the best that they can, but it is frustrating. And I you know, obviously the the correct takeaway isn't this is a bad team. The, they can't block because none of these guys are starters with the exception of Myers. And I don't—I have no idea what degree it was his fault. And, and it's hard to also evaluate the offensive line because it works kind of as a unit. And when the whole thing's not working, I don't know, it's just, I don't know, it sucks. But they, they got beat so unbelievably bad. I mean, there was no run game. There was no blocking. And so that, that was my biggest disappointment, not even just that they were bad, it's just that it made it so hard to properly evaluate things. And then I was really excited for the second half because I'm like, all right, so Justin Fields couldn't get a first down in the first half against, you know, when he had pressure and stuff, which, of course, nobody wants to talk about because Justin Fields apparently had the greatest day ever. But then in the second half, when they started pulling guys and had much easier time against second team, third team type guys... He had a lot of time, and his guys were open, and he looked really good. I'm like, all right, now, first of all, Jordan Love is going to start looking a lot better. Not that he looked bad, but I mean, you know, he's not going to have so much pressure. His guys are going to get more separation, whatever. But they're going to come back and start to win this football game, and I'm going to win my bet. (laughs) Well, they pulled Jordan Love. And uh, Matt LaFleur had talked to the media after the game and essentially said that on that strip sack, which again, I believe that was Josh Nyman, that just got completely wrecked. He also had pressure coming from the other side. Both tackles got destroyed. But apparently he got a little dinged up on that play. So they're like, all right, that's enough for Jordan. Let's just put Kurt in for the rest of the day. So there goes the ability to see him kind of shred up, presumably some lesser defenders, which would have been nice because that offense could not do anything. The only reason the offense continued to drive down the field as far as I could see is because the Packers could not stop getting penalties. And some of those were very ticky-tack nonsense penalties. But nonetheless, um, this quarterback for the Texans, could not, literally couldn't hit the broadside of a barn. And um, consistently, when it mattered, after the ball went sailing over people's heads, one of our guys would sort of grab them, and then it would be a flag, and then it would be a first down. It was just a stupid thing. But anyways, um, with that caveat being said, I kind of want to go through, as I do, kind of position by position a little bit, general thoughts. Um, I also put a thread up in... Um, in the Facebook group asking for observations. So we'll get to those. And uh, we will I guess we'll be done after that. But so again, Jordan Love, I thought Jordan was fine. It was very similar to Justin Fields, to be completely honest, where there was an, at no point you looked at him and said, this guy sucks. There was also really at no point where you looked at him like, dude, this guy is good. Um, I thought some of the more complicated passes, some of the tougher passes, especially the ones in double coverage that didn't get caught, those were some of his best passes, I thought. Funches should have caught that double-covered one on third down, but I mean, it's, I don't know that you can blame him. He had two guys up in his face, so that, it's one of those things where like the ball just suddenly comes out of nowhere. The odds of catching it are very low. Also, he's trying a one-handed catch. Two hands probably would have helped, but whatever. Also, though, some of the, the more wide-open ones, although they were completed and they were fine, just a little off target. You know, they kept, you know, Funches the one time coming across, instead of being able to keep running, had to kind of fall down backwards to catch it. The throw to Jay Sternberger open down the field. Again, he still caught it and was able to run, but he had to stop and completely turn his body around to catch it. He didn't throw it out in front of him to catch it in stride. Ticky-tack little stuff, but I'm just saying, it was none of the passes that I saw that I can remember anyways were just, like, bad. Like, dude, where was that going? There might have been some I just don't remember, I don't know. But also it was a little little iffy and, and on points. But overall, again, my biggest thing is limit mistakes. Because he's, you know... The thing about him is he has good drives, and then all of a sudden he gets killed by a terrible decision, terrible throw, terrible pick. That didn't happen. Yeah, he threw up a couple hail marys, essentially, not really, but you know, this is my last opportunity to get a play. I'm gonna give it up, you know, put it up for my guy to get an opportunity. But the point is, he didn't put it in a place where the defender could get it. If you're gonna throw up a hail mary, if you're gonna just try your your best to just get something throw it up to Funchess or whatever, fine. Just don't put it where the defender can get it, and he didn't. So I don't have a problem with any of that. Well, he keeps throwing it into double coverage. Dude, it's third and 10. What do you want him to do? You want him to run out of bounds? You want him to throw it out of bounds? What, do you, what would you like him to do in this moment? So, I mean, critiques are fine, but that's a weird critique. Same with all, all, all these R checkdowns. Who would you like him to throw it to? Give me a name. Oh, somebody further down the field. Who? Is anybody open? Why are you even saying that if you don't know if anybody's open? Maybe there is, but it's just, it's a weird, you think he doesn't want to do that? Why do you think he, I mean, he's looking down the field. You think he sees somebody wide open and is like, "Nah, I'm scared. I'm gonna throw it to this guy. It's just, it's a weird critique. Why wouldn't you be upset with the receivers? But i I think he, he did the best with what he had and he didn't make mistakes. And that's literally what I said I wanted him to do. Um, so again, I would put Jordan Love and Justin Fields on the exact same tier. The only, again, the only issue is if you look at just the first half, it's hard to not put Jordan Love ahead of Justin Fields. I mean, if you want to look at total stats, fine, but Justin Fields had the entire second half basically to play with. Jordan Love was pulled. Um, wide receivers, again, Noah Adams, Marquez, Lazard, or Cobb. Um, Funches had a pretty good day. He was the only one that really got consistently open. I didn't see EQ at all. I don't know if he... I don't think... I think I saw him on the sideline. Maybe they didn't have him out there either. That's crazy. Uh, Malik Taylor had a couple grabs. Amari wasn't as dynamic as I was hoping. It sounded like... Seemed like he really didn't get open down the field at all. However, he looked pretty good on those screenplays. He got north and south real fast, and he just looks like a a mean, not fun to tackle kind of guy. So I kind of think it's going to be early on. He is gonna be sort of a gadgety guy. You're gonna see him in the background or in the in the background. In the backfield, motion-y type stuff and some screens and whatnot. And I think that's what they're gonna work him in with to start. Um, I mean, again, it's just a preseason game, and maybe he did get open and just didn't get the ball, but it seemed like as far as down the field stuff, he just did not have any impact whatsoever. Uh Reggie Bagleton had like one. Tompkins seemed like he had about one, and that's you know, he's the one that ended up getting hurt. I don't remember seeing Winfrey or Blair at all. But overall, I mean, it was basically Devin Funchess and not a lot else going on with the wide receivers. But again, Texans had a starting receiver as well as a starting quarterback out there. We had our backup and our wide receiver six as our number one. So um, again, offensive line, I already talked about it. It was terrible. I don't know exactly who. I'm sure some of these guys had good days. I'll kind of lean on um, PFF a little bit to see what they had to say, or yeah, I think Coach Hawn. Had a couple comments. I'll have to go back and see exactly what he had said, and I think he's going to go back and watch, but kind of have more on that in a little bit. Tight ends. No Tunyon, no Lewis. I don't think Deguara was out there. Jace looked pretty good. I mean, Jace did what Jace is supposed to do and what we'd like to see him start doing, and that is, you know, he's winning down down the seam against linebackers. He's getting out in space. It was that other pass where he kind of... uh, you know, he ran out into the flat and maybe if the ball was in a better spot and he could have just kept running, he could have maybe got a few yards. But again, it was in kind of that weird spot where he had to turn around and now his back is to the defense and he's got to, you know, decide, do I continue turning around that corner or do I kind of stop and spin back around? And I think he's like, well, this guy's probably going to try to cut me off. So I'm going to stop and spin back around. Unfortunately, he bet wrong. And that defender was kind of taking a a weird angle and he just kind of spun right into the guy and went down. So Kind of put that on the quarterback, because what is, you know, Jace doesn't really have a lot to to work with there. I saw not on the field. I didn't really see him have much of an impact. Um, I'm guessing a lot of these guys got a lot of blocking work, and again, I have no idea how well they did. Same with Dominique Daphne and Calfusi and all those guys, so we'll have to wait on that. Again, running backs, Kylan Hill, I should probably pull up some stats as I go through these. Well, we'll just save that for the end, but Kylan Hill, I thought, looked pretty good. I mean, it's it's it's, again, hard to judge, five carries, negative two yards. But really, it was you know it was good runs mixed with a loss of two, loss of three, loss of one, you know because he's just getting hit in the backfield constantly. Patrick Taylor was the only real running back that had an impact. It was nine carries, twenty-two yards. That's a two point four yard average. Oh, Dexter was out there. You know what? I'll be completely honest. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you something here. I did go to bed early <laughs> after the Texans got that. I don't know if it was their last touchdown or what. The Texans got another touchdown. My son had passed out, and it's like, I, I, there's nothing else to see here for me. I went to bed. So apparently Dexter, four carries, 32 yards, eight. So when I said I didn't see Dexter, people were probably flipping out. He had a great day. I'm actually upset I didn't see that. If I'd have known Dexter was about to come out and just tear it up, I would have just stuck it out just, just for that. But I, you know, at this point, I'm just seeing the same old stuff. Our offense can't do anything. Our defense is completely tired out because they've been on the field the whole time. They were great against the run to start the game. Now they can't even do that. So uh, props to Dexter. But I thought they looked fine as running back. I mean, again, there's really not much there. There was only one play in particular. I remember, I think it was Kylan that was out there, where it seemed like, and and granted, he's probably just trying to go where he's supposed to go and how the offense is designed. But I do specifically remember a big hole being open right to his left, and he ran right into a pile of guys. And it's like, oh, come on, man. Um, Before we flip over to the defense, though, let me hit you with some of these statistics. Jordan Love, 12 of 17, 122 yards, 10 touchdowns. Uh, Somebody had posted... Um, I don't know. It was like 110 passer rating. So obviously that's that's fine, right? There's nothing wrong with that. I'd, again, there, there's a contingent of people that really hate Jordan Love, and that's never going to change. So I saw on the Facebook group somebody was just posted the stats. And they're like, "Man, yeah, it's a good day. 12 of 17, 122 yards, one touchdown. You know, 110 passer rating or whatever it is." And the comment to that was, "It's preseason." Like I, I know, but that's what that's what we're talking about is preseason. So I had. Adam, who's just a guy on Twitter that only likes to come out to talk trash about Rashawn Gary and Jordan Love and stuff, and then he's just gone. I haven't heard from him since the game against Tampa Bay. Maybe even before that, I don't know. He comes out just to say something about uh, Kurt Benkert is better than Jordan Love. Kurt Bankert was 8 of 12, 88 yards and a pick. So I don't know about that, and against lesser competition. I thought Kurt looked... Okay, but Kurt did what I thought Jordan Love would do. He looked real good in spots, and then just like, dude, what are you doing? That's what I expected from Jordan Love. Jordan Love was just consistently decent. Uh, again, Dexter, four, 4 for 32, 8 average. Otherwise, 2.4 average for Taylor, 1-yard average for A.J. Dillon, negative 0.4-yard average for Kylan Hill, negative 2-yard average for Kurt Banker. Just horrific day for running the ball um receiving Devin Funchess six receptions for 70 yards on eight targets Malik Taylor five targets five receptions 50 yards Jay Sternberger three targets three receptions 30 yards Kylan Hill one tar uh, two targets one reception 22 yards and a touchdown that was his screen pass Amari Rogers four targets three receptions 15 yards Reggie Begleton two targets one reception 14 yards AJ Dillon one target one reception four yards DeAndre Tompkins, two targets and zero receptions. Chris Chris Blair, two targets, zero receptions. As far as the defense goes, I really liked it. There were a couple things that I was not a fan of, but again, some of it comes back to we didn't have any of our starters. Number one, not including the linebackers, there was no pressure. That was annoying. Having the guy sit in the pocket all day was annoying. On top of that, the coverage was not great. Now, maybe it was great by some guys, but it only takes one guy, Josh Jackson, to have a bad day to just essentially mean we did not have good coverage. So those weren't my favorite things. Uh, The other thing that kind of bothered me was, as much as I really liked seeing the defense operate the way that it did, especially bringing those linebackers on a blitz or in freaking Burks, what an absolute monster he was. The biggest thing that scared me as I was watching it is it really reminded me of Dom Capers. Like, a lot. I mean, first down, nothing. Second down, we bring a blitz and get a sack, and it's like third and 15. And there's no pressure, and there's no coverage, and they complete it for 17 yards. I mean, that was like every time. And I was like, just bring a bring a linebacker. And they did it like once every 10 times, and it still didn't work. Right before the pressure got there, they were able to dump it off, probably because a linebacker came on that play, and they were able to get a first down. So it's just... it. It's just an observation and as much as I was real excited about seeing the defense and how it operated and I'm confident that when we get, you know, instead of Josh Jackson being our number 1 corner, Jair is our number 1 corner because remember, uh, Jair didn't play, Kevin King didn't play and Stokes played just a handful of snaps and then he got pulled. I hope he didn't get hurt. I didn't hear anything about it, but I was shocked that he he didn't play for a very long time. Probably because they're leaning toward him hopefully being a starter at some point and they didn't want him to get hurt either. Um, because obviously our corners kind of fall off after a while. But again, early on, I mean, and it wasn't just the defensive line, and that was what was really cool about it. I feel like with Mike Pettin, the linebackers just couldn't do anything right. Um, Whenever the linebackers came on a blitz, it seemed like they just ran into a wall. There was no real purpose for them. They were just kind of a waste of space. You know, they just ran it. And so when, when these guys blitz, and it wasn't just on passing downs, it was on running downs, they did a great job of actually having an assignment. Um, I feel like the Packers defensive line under Pettin a lot of times would just get compressed into an area. They did a good job of being like spaced out. And so when the linebacker came firing, even if he didn't shoot through a gap, he had an assignment and he had a guy and it just created this nice wall. It just looked competent. It looked awesome. And yeah, a lot of times there was a linebacker shooting through and even if he didn't make a tackle, he, cu- he forced the running back to cut back inside and the defensive linemen were right there waiting for him. And remember, again, no Kenny out there. I don't think Kiki was out there. I don't think Lowry was out there. There was just a lot of big boys just taking up space, and, and they did a good job when the linebackers forced him back inside because they are like rabid dogs firing through holes that they were you know, initially planning on running through. Here comes T.J. Slayton just standing there. and Then again, I didn't get a chance to watch everybody on every down, but I saw a couple people say they thought he had a bad day. I saw him bring down several guys. Again, if, if your expectation is he should be getting pressure, you're doing this wrong, and you're you're really expecting something that you should not expect. And everybody keeps saying that, like, oh, no, no, he's really agile. He's re-. You're just going to be disappointed. He's a big man that takes up space and, and is hard to run through. That's it. If he gets one sack this season, that's great. you got to stop expecting him to be a pass rusher. He's not a pass rusher. Did you see the guy? I seriously thought Gilbert Brown was on our team again for a second. Get out of my face with these sacks from T.J. Slayton. What are you talking about? But again, I thought uh, Slayton and Lancaster, who are giant human beings, did a great job. Jack Heflin. Who again, I was surprised that the guy um, who was a rookie undrafted free agent is already second team. And I saw saw the guy chase down, I believe, a running back from behind and bring him down when there was a lot of open space. So kudos to him for that again, as the game wore on and as these guys are completely burned out. Because you got to understand, when you don't have your number one guys there and you've only got like six guys to rotate in at the defensive line, they're playing the whole game. This is, it's not like, okay, now it's third team. No, no, everybody's getting, so they're playing the whole game. The offense can't stay on the field. These guys are getting tired. Plus the linebackers were, there was a significant drop off in the quality of linebackers, so that did not have as much of an impact. So yeah, the running game started to explode a little bit. I'm not, thats I mean, come on. Our second team guys did a great job, and if that's any indication of what our uh, our team can do, I'm excited. The, again, the only real concern I have is those third downs. I don't, I mean, just bring Patton back at that point. I can't handle that. That is the worst thing ever. That Dom Capers, great on first, great on second, give up anything on third. Doesn't matter if it's third and seven or third and 70. Best shot is that it's third and two and they run it and we stop them. I, I mean, I'm dead serious. It was better when it was third and two than third and 20. I can't do that anymore. I, I'm so, I'm so over that. Don't just don't, please don't. I don't care what you got to do. Blitz Jair. I don't care. Just please don't do that to me again, ever. Um, outside linebackers, I got absolutely nothing. I I didn't really watch very much of them. They always seemed to be doing a good job of kind of pushing the tackles back into the quarterback, but it was never fast enough. They never really got to the quarterback. He had plenty of time to stand and deliver. Maybe if we had some better corners and coverage out there, they could have got home, but I didn't see anybody do much of anything. Inside linebackers, though, is where it got fun. I don't believe either of the two starters, Devondre Campbell or Chris Barnes, were out there. Did any starter play today? If I just look at first team here, Kevin King, Amos, Savage, Alexander, Zadarius, Campbell, Barnes, Smith, Kiki, Kenny, and Lowry. I don't think any defensive starters played. DeGuara, Aaron Jones, Aaron Rodgers, Tunyon, Mercedes, Billy Turner, Lucas Patrick, maybe Lucas played. I don't know. Josh Myers played a little bit. Eldon Jenkins, David Bakhtiari, Marquez, and Adams. Nothing. I mean, again, Josh Myers, maybe Lucas Patrick, probably Lucas Patrick, because again, it's a big uh, competition. But um, I think that's it. A guard and a center, and for a little while, that's crazy. But anyways, Oren Burks was an absolute madman. Um, right out of the gate, I mean, he, he made a tackle, I think, in the backfield and. I had to kind of think for a second. I was like, 42 is that Burks? And since that moment, it was just 42, 42, 42, 42, 42. He was everywhere. Um and it's it's funny because I I just got done mentioning in the podcast yesterday how, you know, I was looking at the pressure rates for all these guys and I was highlighting how Devondre Campbell is quite bad at it despite the fact that uh, Matt LaFleur says he's good at it. But the the only guy that might be worse is Oren Burks, because the guy's had 18 attempts and zero times did he get home. That guy was a heat-seeking missile all day. Now, granted, his job, primarily, is not going to be what they had him doing, which is blitzing. I mean, he was blitzing against the run and blitzing against the pass, but he was unbelievably effective in it. And that penalty is silly. If he got in trouble for that, I'll be shocked. That was very close to bang-bang, in my opinion. I mean, it always looks worse when you put it in ultra slow mo but I mean his arm was basically just completing going forward when he got hit in the chest it's not like it was a head-to- head it's just a silly thing if I'm his coaches I'm saying that was fine I'll take the penalty on that all day you just keep keep smoking the guy I don't care good just next time hurt him a little bit if you're gonna get flagged for it if you're gonna get a personal p- foul penalty for touching the guy after he throws the football really hit him might as well drive him into the ground at that point but um you know I I, I remember when Oren Burks first started and People were excited about the guy because he ran stride for stride with guys. And I thought it was the dumbest thing in the world because he was just a half a step behind everybody. So everybody caught it and he couldn't cover anybody. And they're like, dude, you see how fast he is? He kept up with him. He didn't stop a single completion though. He got picked on all day. And so there was just nothing there, but something clicked with him today. This is a different kind of thing. Um, Maybe they found, I had, here's the thing. I don't remember ever seeing a linebacker play that well ever for the Green Bay Packers. (laughs) I mean, I'm sure we've, I know we've had some linebackers in the past, um, but in recent memory, preseason or regular season, that was about as good of a performance as I've seen. And to be honest, it's really weird to look at the defense and say, I think the linebackers were the best thing about our team. And remember our new defensive coordinator is a linebacker coach. So sometimes it's just a matter of, you know, think about this way. Um, leaving aside the fact that the Packers drafted him in the third round, so they see something in Oren Burks. And I'm not saying he's going to have a breakout thing and he's going to be a starter or whatever, but that was a heck of a day. Blake Martinez, again, was very good under Dom Capers. He was good. Based on that scheme and what he was asked to do, he did a good job. Petton came in, he was terrible. Now, petton has been good with linebackers in the past, but for some reason it just wasn't working with the guys we had. I don't know why. Maybe it's Petton's fault and his old scheme doesn't really work and the linebackers, it's just an impossible task in today's NFL. I don't know. But then Martinez went over to the Giants, and he is a dominant linebacker. So sometimes it's a matter of finding the right skill set with the right defense and what you're being asked to do. Again, I don't know, but it's not impossible that what this defensive coach is asking these guys to do, which is clearly different... I mean that's the thing. When you watch the defense, you can clear just watching the front, you can clearly see this is a different defense than what we've seen in the past. It looks more like the Minnesota Vikings with the linebackers blitzing the gaps and whatnot. And it was it was just fun. I was keyed in on them all day long. You'd see a guy kind of shoot the gap a little bit. I mean, before the snap, he kind of fires off and the quarterback's looking and pointing and then the two linebackers look at each other like should we switch? So we switch? should so we should we switch. And sometimes they both drop, sometimes they both come, sometimes that same guy goes, sometimes they switch. I mean it's just fun. They're just playing mind games. It's so much fun watching the lineback, and it's nice to have linebackers that are a threat, that are scaring the offense, as opposed to linebackers that just play like they're scared, because their job is to stand there, wait for an offensive lineman to run to them, try to hold your ground five yards deep, and then make a tackle on a guy one arm as he you know, runs for nine yards, and you stop him just short for a gain of nine on first down. They were aggressive. They were mean. They were scaring the offense. You always had to account for them. It was fun to watch, and I'm not used to that. Now, again different situation, different offense. I'm sure, you know, some linebackers coming across the field against Oren Burks, he might have got absolutely shredded. Entirely possible. Maybe in just a straight up shedding blocks and making tackles, getting to the sideline, dropping in coverage, all that basic stuff that you have to do. Maybe he's still really just pretty terrible at it. And so he's not going to and I'll be honest. I'll, 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 at this point, I'm almost shocked if he doesn't make the team after that performance. He's got to stick around. I know it's crazy to say after one game, but it's not like there's a lot of competition, anyways. What are we gonna do? Get rid of him and keep Ty Summers? What has Ty Summers ever done? Exactly, nothing. None of these guys have done anything, with the exception of Kamal, who apparently is an outside linebacker at, at this point. But it is neat, and, and so you know, with every defense, there's good and there's bad, right? When you're when you're more aggressive, you're gonna have more interceptions, more sacks more, you know, it's going to be a scarier kind of thing, but you're also probably going to have more of that, you know, big, giving up a big play on third and 17 t- type stuff. So there's always a give and a take. It's, it's like when you play Madden and you got to like pick the, the characteristics you want. Well, if you've maxed out your characteristics and you want more speed, you're going to have to lessen something else. That's, that's kind of the way that this works. Now, the better your team is, ideally, the more points that you get to allocate and the closer you can get to being like a 99 overall guy or whatever. But point is different, is going to mean more positive in one area and more negative in another area, and I'm just hopeful if, if the linebackers can keep playing like that. And just imagine, instead of Tyler Lancaster or you know TJ Slayton, it's Kenny Clark. Instead of Tyler Lancaster, it's Dean Lowry. Instead of Jack Heflin, it's Kingsley Kiki. Instead of Tipuga Galea, it's Rashawn Gary. Instead of Jonathan Gar or uh, you know Garvin or Delonte Scott or whatever, it's Darius Smith. And instead of Josh Jackson covering, it's uh, Jair Alexander. And instead of Kadar Holman, it's either Kevin King or Eric Stokes. And instead of Shamar Jean-Charles, it's Chandon Sullivan, right? So the the coverage and the pass rush and the run blocking and all that stuff is better. And now we get these linebackers that are just firing and firing and firing. It's kind of exciting. Again, there's a lot more to being a linebacker than that that you got to do. And you still got to be able to execute and all that. But again, we saw... Pet and tried to do that, and it always just failed, and it just seemed like the uh, the defense couldn't do it. Like, it didn't have a purpose. He, you saw him run into a pile of guys, and just to be able to see a defense that made sense, where it was more spread out, and there was a place for that, there was an assignment for that guy, and you saw exactly where he was supposed to go, and he did it, and he had an opportunity to do it. Again, last year they tried, there was nowhere for him to even go. I just remember they'd bring blitzes, and it was such a waste of a, it was just a waste of a player. Might as well have 10 guys on the field. And that didn't really happen yesterday. Even if they didn't get home, it was still, there was one spot for him to go. And that was just kind of cool to see. And I'm, I'm glad to see that it's a more effective use of that. Now, occasionally, Patton would somebody bring up bring somebody off the edge, which is fine. But that's that's an easy one because nobody's there. It's just a race to see if you can get there and the coverage can hold up by the time he gets there before the quarterback sees somebody and unloads it. But it's a completely different thing to blitz in the middle of the defense because you have to have a spot for him. If there's a, a huge pile of guys, you're just having them run into the back of your defensive lineman and you just lost a coverage guy, and that's all you've done. So, that, 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 the linebackers got me probably more excited than anything else. And that's, that's something I've not said about the Packers, I don't think ever. Again, I know we've had some quality linebackers like a long time ago, depending on your definition of quality, but, um, I'm excited about the usage, and I, I want to see if this continues as we go on, because there could be a legitimate spot for Oren Burks if this keeps up. Again, it's not impossible that the guy just needs a certain kind of role. And just, I mean, he was just a pit bull. All I wanted to watch was Oren Burks, and every play that he didn't blitz, I was just angry. Just send him. Just send him. He's out for blood. Just keep sending him. And there were a couple times they didn't, it didn't pan out, and obviously one time was a penalty. But man, it just, it's, it's great when your defense is on the offensive. I just love that. Um, as far as the coverage units go, again, very little Stokes, but I didn't see a single completion against him, so I'll take that as a positive. No, no Alexander, no King. Chandon did play a little bit. I saw that he gave up a couple passes. Um, not the greatest thing in the world, but again, it's so hard to. I mean, he might have had a great day, with the exception of like one pass or something. I don't know. Um, Kadar, I didn't notice a, m- a bunch. I saw him give up like one. Josh Jackson. It was brutal. Now he did have two really good plays, but I think that's Josh Jackson and a nutshell. Josh, Josh, I can't talk, dude. You know what I'm talking about. The the one guy, that's always been his thing. He's always got those plays where it's like that was a great play, but he's also been way too grabby. I mean, that one really good pass breakup he had like on the in the end zone or whatever. That probably could have been a pass interference play. I I was actually wondering if the quarterback threw it in his direction to try to draw a flag because he was. As he was standing still, Josh had him by the shoulder pads and was grabbing him. And then, as he kind of threw it out to the outside, he kind of just you know lunged with him and swatted it away. But um, it just isn't working, man. You know, I was hoping for Josh to be able to make it. I like Josh Jackson. I wanted us to draft Josh Jackson. Jeez, I am just asking for trouble here with these sentences I am putting together. But I just don't see it. Um, he's, He's just too inconsistent. Again, he's he can be the best player out there. He's gonna make more plays than everybody else, but he just is way too inconsistent. And you can't have that at the cornerback position. You can have that if you're a pass rusher, right? That's Rashawn Gary, essentially. And we love Rashawn Gary because it doesn't matter if you fail five times if on the sixth time you get a sack. At corner, it's different. At corner, it's about consistency. You don't have to be perfect. Just don't don't fail. Just do good enough. I don't need crazy plays. I don't need, you know, spectacular catches or any of this, that, or the just consistent. Play is what you need at a cornerback position, and he's inconsistent, and you can't do that. So, you know, it it seems unfair because again, you look at Oren Burks and he had a handful of good plays, which we're talking maybe like thirty percent of his plays. Whereas Josh Jackson, thirty percent of his plays maybe were bad plays, probably even less than that, like fifteen percent. But it's still the way it's just the way it is. I can't look at your two good plays and your five bad plays and say, hey, that's not a bad day because it is. And it's just—it's really just not. Uh, unfortunately, it's not good enough, and I just don't see a path for him. Um, not because he doesn't have upside; it's just because there's too too much inconsistency, and he's just not able to clamp down well enough and consistently enough. Um, Ento had the one pick of the day, so kudos to K. B. on Ento. By the way, uh pass deflections they actually only gave Josh Jackson credit for one. I thought there was two. Uh, Ento one pick for three yards and a pass deflection. Vernon Scott had a pass deflection. Innis Gaines had a pass deflection, and Shamar Jean Charles had a pass deflection. Uh, Speaking of the safeties, I thought they all looked pretty solid. Um, Again, it's kind of hard. you know, Some of those completions probably were the safety's fault. It's kind of hard to tell sometimes, but I remember Gaines, Scott, and Black all having having plays. I don't know if Will Redmond didn't play or didn't have much of an impact, but I didn't really see him. Let's see if he had any stats. He probably would have had a tackle, right? Uh, We're saying Redmond, R-E-D-M. Nope, no Redmond. So if he was out there, he didn't have so much as a single tackle. Speaking of, uh, Josh Jackson had the most tackles, which, see, and and this is where I talk about how um, statistics can be kind of silly, especially when you start talking about things like tackles. And a lot of people, when they want to pump up their linebackers, are like, dude, our guy has the most tackles of anybody. What are you talking about? Josh Jackson had the most tackles in this game because he was targeted the most and kept tackling the receivers that were thrown in his direction. He got the most tackles because he had a bad day, not because he had a good day. So again, this is where statistics get a little goofy. Um, Oren Burks, four tackles, one sack, two tackles for a loss. What an absolutely perfect day. And he did that in a half. Again, there's still a lot to being a linebacker that I didn't really see on display. Maybe he did it and I didn't see it. Maybe he was really bad and I didn't see it. Again, PFF will kind of give him coverage grades and all these other kinds of things. If you have Game Pass, I just canceled mine because I don't really use it. I'm considering redoing that because I kind of want to... I think I am I might pay for it and go back and watch it. I was very sure of my decision, and now it's like, I want to go back and see what these guys did. I don't know. Um, other guys with uh, four tackles. Ty Summers, Delonte Scott, Chauncey Rivers, Vernon Scott... And I'm not going to go through all the different tackles, but, uh, you know, there's a lot of guys with a lot of tackles. Um, Otherwise, special teams was horrible. Uh, I thought the kicking was fine. I didn't really get a gauge of exactly how far the punts were and everything else. Um, I think somebody, it might have been Lafleur was kind of mentioning he might have to go back and look at it. But By the time the ball got there, there was a lot of green grass. That's either a failure of the guys getting down the field or... Scott is maybe not angling that properly. You know, he sh- if you kick a line drive, it's going to be far, but it's going to get there real quick. So I don't think he had any bad punting. His average yardage was 47.3 yards. His longest was 49 yards. But the, the biggest issue was the, the coverage. The coverage was terrible. These guys had returns that were way too long. Um, our returns were not good. Amari let one hit the dirt, which is just unacceptable. Um Kylan, I thought, did a good job as far as kickoff returns. In fact, somebody had said, and again, I had these notes up here. I think it was uh, Dara on Twitter had said that he had like the longest kick return. I got to find it. Let me just find it. It's important enough that I need to find out what exactly what he said. So I was wrong. It's Amari Rogers. That 14-yard punt return from Amari Rogers, the Packers' longest punt return since December of 2019. So, you know, and again, oh, Twitter, I tell you what. Afghanistan in talks to transition power to the Taliban. Great. That's great. Anyways, (laughs) so we we got two countries completely controlled by terrorists now? That's wonderful. Anyways, I'm not counting out that Amari can be a good returner. The the muffed punt wasn't great, but it's not a very high bar for Kylan and Amari or whoever else ends up being the return guys. Hold on to the ball, get positive yards. I'm fine with that. But it, it always comes down to the blocking and the coverage. The punt and kick blocking and the punt and kick coverage, there's really never anywhere for these guys to go. It never seems like they know really what they're doing. They're always just kind of making it up. Whereas if you watch other special teams units, there's kind of a plan here. You know, we block a certain way and then we run a certain way and then there's an opening here. It's kind of like a a running play, like a really long drawn out running play where you fill, you know, kind of filter guys into a certain area and you block them a certain way and there should be an opening over here. The Packers are always just kind of making it up. And the guy just kind of grabs it, and he runs forward, and he goes down. Um, on top of that, it looked like our special teams coordinator looked completely lost. Uh, I think they called a timeout one time for special teams, which is unheard of. And he was apologizing because guys were in the wrong spots. And he was pointing to his headset, like, oh, yeah, I didn't hear you. Like, come on, guys. They're like, don't, don't do this to me. Don't do this to me. I'm not asking for a good special teams unit. I don't care if special teams is good. I want you to not be one of the worst in football. That's it. Top 20. Can you be top 20 out of 32 teams, please? It's just, I don't know. It drives me crazy, man. Anyways, um, zero updated grades or anything from PFF from yesterday's game. Obviously, these guys kind of slacking a little bit. A little little bit slacking. Should have at least something up by now. Uh, But I want to take a break. I'll come back and kind of go through some of your observations. By the way, I did go live for a little bit yesterday, just kind of a test. Uh, I did like 15 minutes, which was good because the first uh, test was a complete failure. So (laughs) it didn't work. Video wasn't working. Audio wasn't working. But I kind of got some of the bugs out. I want to start doing that a little bit more often. Um, I got to figure out ways, probably if I set a certain time so that people know. Because if it's going to be short and it takes people 20 minutes to even find out I'm doing a stream and jump on, there's got to be somewhere where people know at this time, whatever, um, is when I'm going to be going live. Something. Uh, Patreon, if you would like to support the podcast, patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. We are down to 241 patrons. 59 people is all we need. 59 people to say, you know what? I'm going to give that man a dollar a month. Patreon.com forward slash pack underscore daddy. Sign up for a dollar a month, and tomorrow I will be buying Packers tickets. Actually, that's not true. I wouldn't be tomorrow. I I, I want to wait until after the conclusion of the Packers game to make sure that we don't, you know, just everybody cancel. <laughs> Plus, that's what the deal was, right? At the conclusion of the game, 300 patrons. It's not that many people, man. I'm just saying. Also, please don't forget to support the Palmer Home for Children. You can find a link to that at uh, tw- on my Twitter as well as on the Facebook group, but if you don't know how to find it or what to do about that, you can send me a message um, and we can get that sent off. Um, in total, we are nearly, we are $60 away from $2,000 Um, In total for the Palmer Home by Malcolm Reed, he wanted to raise $20,000. We're at $24,339. I am still sitting in uh, sixth place, about $200 behind the next person. These guys really want... It's funny because you can actually get these one-on-one classes with Malcolm Reed, and I think you pay less than this, (laughs) but people really want it, and they're already invested. It's kind of like there's this... uh, this scam out there, which actually, it's funny because they've built websites on this entire scam, but there's there's a scam out there where it's something like somebody puts $10 on the table and you get two people and you say something to the effect of, I'm going to sell you this $10 bill to the highest bidder. So even if it's a dollar, if you put down a dollar and you win it, you get it for a dollar. Well, what happens? Somebody puts down a dollar because they want the $10 bill. Well, what's the other guy going to do? Obviously, he's going to put down $2. And, and oh, and the other, here's the kicker. You don't get your money back if you lose. So now that person's got a dollar invested. If they say, never mind, they lose a dollar. What are they going to do? They're probably going to put another $2 down and say, okay, here, here's $3. So the point is, you keep putting money down, you keep putting money down. On top of that, there's technically $5 in the pot now. I've recouped half my money if I lose here. One person put in three, the other person put in two. So now if this person puts in two more... I get $7. They're up to four. This person's up to... And the point is, they're going to end up betting way too much. You're going to have people... Maybe, I mean, at some point, somebody might be like, forget it. Just keep my dollar. This was stupid. Or to begin with, don't put any money in. Just say, "Nah, no thanks. But once you get invested, you'll have people, and I've seen this happen before, they're they're paying like $12 to try to win the $10 because they don't want to lose the... pie. It's not even about the $10 anymore. They don't want to lose the money that they got invested. So... <laughs> it'll be you know, they'll be up to like $18 compared to $19 before this thing ends. Let's call it 20 and 21. And so I got $41 and had to pay 10. I paid $10 for 41 bucks and I walk away. Anyways, that's kind of what's happening here. And I probably didn't lay that out properly, but it's something to that effect. You know, when I say there's websites, like there, there are websites that are built on that scam. Um, you've probably seen commercials for them unless, I haven't seen them recently. I don't know if they have are now illegal or what, but essentially it's the same thing. You can bid on something for a dollar and win it. The problem is everything you put in, you lose. So if you bid $100 on a $1,000 item and you don't win, you don't get your $100 back. So you have a lot of people bidding. Plus, if you have 70 people bidding, and even if they put $10 on something, they're up to $700 in total that they're bringing in. Even if they sell the item for $10, they didn't sell it for $10, even if the guy got it for $10, but of course, they're not going to stop bidding. So they're making massive amounts of money on stuff. And even if they sell say a $100 item for $80, which usually it's going to go for higher because, again, this is how the scam works. Even if you get this crazy deal and you win it for 80 they made so much money off the 50 other people who bid around between 50 and $80. It's ridiculous. It should be illegal, but I don't know. It's kind of a touchy thing. Should it be illegal to take advantage of people for making dumb decisions? I don't know. I mean, there's two kinds of taking advantage of people. If I pull a $5 bill out of your pocket, I'm taking advantage of you. And that's called theft. And you should absolutely be punished for it. If you walk into a casino and lose $5,000, you got taken advantage of because the casino is set up to take all your money. It's rigged against you. You're being stupid for walking in there. Same with the lottery and everything else. It's taking advantage of you. Should it be illegal? I don't know. Maybe. Or just don't be stupid, I guess. I don't know. It's up to you. You, you can be stupid. It's just, you know, don't expect to get bailed out. That's all I'm saying. Anyways, why don't we take a break? Anyways, that's arenaclub.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. Have you ever experienced turbulence on a flight and wondered why? And you can see all the terrain around you. Uh, you've got no issue with visibility or anything? No, nah, everything's PT. Maybe you've sat on the tarmac for hours wondering why your plane isn't moving. Well, we're outside here. They're saying the ramp is closed. They won't let us park because of uh, Air Force Walk. Listen in on the conversations between pilots and air traffic controllers on the Air Traffic Out of Control podcast. 512 is declaring an emergency. There's smoke in the cabin. I need to make a landing right now on 31 left. We have the most interesting, wild, and funny ATC recordings you will ever hear. Check out Air Traffic Out of Control wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And we're back. Hi. Anyways, got a lot of comments here, so we'll kind of rip through a lot of these uh anthony says observation number one john Kuhn looks like he can still block some fools john Kuhn's a good dude man i bet he could too at least as far as you know the guys that were out there put him out there with the third team or whatever he could probably smoke some guys better than that tim tebow block that's for sure <laughs> that was funny uh justin says observation number two thank you guys for numbering these for me <laughs> josh jackson seems to be getting picked on early yes and that didn't stop uh kona and jeff were giving some love to burks Anthony says I like that love is not running a lot. He's got patience and that is true because he does have that ability. And I think you know whether it's checkdowns, running, whatever it is, there, there's certain things, you know, thrown to tight ends that are sort of like you're like a comfortable blanket, you know? Something you fall back on when when you're just when you're scared. And I think that is a good observation because he 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 just stood in the pocket and did what he could do. He knew what he needed to work on, and he did it. He stood, and he delivered. You know, there were times when pressure got in his face, and he broke the pocket, and he could have just dropped his eyes and said, forget this, I'm out of here. I'm freaked out, I'm leaving. No, he, he as soon as he escaped pressure and kind of broke through where the pressure was, immediately, what do the eyes do? They get back downfield. Now, quickly now, because you know they're in hot pursuit from behind you, find someone, get rid of the ball, which is what he did. But again, the, the goal was throw the ball, not panic and scramble. Uh, and then he also goes on to say, also, the offensive line combo is not looking good. No, it looked terrible. Mike says, preseason doesn't mean much, but it's awesome to watch football again. It definitely was. It was a lot of fun. It's good to see the green and gold flying around. It's always a little disconcerting because, you know, again, there were certain things that just looked ugly. And that's for every team because it's preseason and it's everybody's first time playing in a long time. And it's a lot of guys that aren't even going to be in the NFL. But it is scary seeing guys wearing the green and gold looking that bad. And I, I know that's harsh, but it just, you know, it doesn't look like a... Maybe I just take for granted how hard football is and to make like a play work, how perfectly in unison everything has to be. But it just makes me worry like, man, what? someday there's going to be a team for the Green Bay Packers that are starters that this is just going to be what football looks like. And I hope it's not soon. But I doubt I'll be dead before it happens. I mean, you know, assuming there's not a horrible early death. Justin said, is anyone else wondering what's going on with the play calling? Only six plays so far, but seems odd. I don't know exactly what he's referring to, but again, there's, there's not much you can do. The receivers weren't getting open, and the pressure was on because the offensive line couldn't block, so not a lot of options. Heather says, Love doesn't look great. Again, no context here, but I don't know when that would have been. Um, I'm assuming it would have been... Again, when the offense isn't working, you point the finger somewhere. It's because the offensive line isn't blocking. It's because the receivers aren't getting open. It's because Love looks bad or whatever, and a lot of times we want to focus our attention on the quarterback. You know, like I said yesterday, Justin Fields couldn't get a first down in the first half. It doesn't have to be Justin Fields' fault. It could be everybody else's fault, and maybe it was. I just said that to be a jerk because apparently the guy had the greatest day in the world, and every offensive success was his, was to his credit. But yet the offensive failures in the first half had nothing to do with him, and so I just felt like a fire back in 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 kind. But uh, again, I don't I don't exactly know what that's referring to. Sutton says special teams is totally fixed. Obviously sarcastic, and everybody laughed along. Um, yeah, it's painful, man. It's painful, and it's also because it's like, well, we didn't have our starters. Starters don't play special teams, so the, that's our starting special teams unit right there, for the most part. I'm sure a couple guys, you know, a few maybe linebackers or edge rush guys or whatever weren't out there, but that's largely the one unit that had starters, and it was, man, that makes me so mad. Love that throw from Love, still a little behind Sternberger, says Anthony. That was my exact observation. It was, It was a beautiful play, not perfectly placed, but that happens. I mean, you see that with Rogers sometimes. It's either a hair overthrown. Um, and Love had a few of those, too, where, where you know Devin Funch just had to stretch way out. And there were just guys that um, could have had better plays if the ball was placed in a little better spot. It's kind of nitpicky, but it's kind of not because it impacts how good of a play it's going to be. Um, guys on the ground because they're either diving to catch it or falling backwards to catch it, not great. But either way, I mean, it was it was still a good pass, just not perfectly in the bucket, you know. If that was uh, if that was a regular game, you take that all day, every day. Sean Gill says, "Love to Sternberger it was awesome, but I love the Funches catch even more. What a snag! Kind of hope we keep Funches. So we we've, we've kind of been wondering about Funches, and like I had said, I, there was a time at which I thought he could be our number two, but there's so many guys that are locks that are in front of him. There's really only one spot left, but I I really think he's got that locked in. Um, just watching him out there, he's a man among boys. And like I said, I, I think he's—I don't think he has—he's—he's he's always graded out better than Lazard and MVS, and probably Randall Cobb over these last several years. So I do think that in terms of talent, and again, he's been out for a while, and it's not that he's heads and tails above these guys, but he's consistently been a better receiver than our starters that didn't even play. So the odds of him showing up with our second and third string wide receivers and blowing them out of the water and looking like the only competent person on the field shouldn't have been all that surprising to us. I think it was surprising to a lot of people because for some reason, everybody assumed Funches was garbage. I don't know where that came from. And I, this is why I've been saying this since last year. Everybody's mad. I think it's because we wanted like bigger name type wide receivers and stuff. And it's like, guys, I am i mean, he's not elite. But I mean, if, if I just phrase it, the way that I've been phrasing it, that he's better than Lazard and MVS, I feel like that should be enough to get you somewhat excited about him. But it's, it seemed like nobody wanted to believe me. And and I don't know, maybe he won't be any good. Maybe he won't make the team. I don't know. But that the point is that performance should not have shocked us as much as it did. And it's because we just think, for some reason, Funchess is a terrible wide receiver. And I don't know where that came from because he never really has been. He's been decent. And he's had Cam and some other bad quarterbacks he's played with. Yeah, I said Cam is bad. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm tired of pretending he's been a good, he had one good year. Dustin says, though, I'm not a fan of love as a player. He did a good job on that drive. Looks like the game slowed down a bit for him. And I like that because we can have whatever feelings we want. I, again, I did not like the love pick. I did not like the Rashawn pick, but I got over it. And there are people who can, st- as long as you can be honest about what's in front of your face, I don't care what opinion you have. The only thing that annoys me is when people are going to, no matter what, try to cut people down because they just don't want to be wrong. There are people who put so much, they've invested so much into the opinion that it was a terrible pick, and he's a bust, and this is garbage, and this is the dumbest thing that's ever happened, that they're literally out there rooting against Jordan Love. That's what I don't like. Have your opinion, and then table it, and go root for everybody wearing a helmet with a G on it. I didn't want to pick Jordan Love, but we did. And now that we did, I want him to be the greatest quarterback of all time. And you should too. Anybody that is a Packer fan that wanted him to fail so they can go on Twitter and say haha is an idiot. You're not that big of a Packers fan. I'm sorry. If if your ego is more important than the success of the Packers, if you're willing to watch the next 10 years of, of, of horrible Packers football just so that you can get five minutes of saying ha-ha and everybody can roll their eyes and ignore you, that's pathetic. Justin says, Kylan Hill given some good vibes, great run after the catch on the screen, nice delivery to love too. That was a really nice screen. He Again, it would be nice to see what could happen if these guys had some space to get a little better idea of like the wiggle or whatever, but I don't think he could have done any better. I mean, the 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 way he set up a couple of those things, you know, stutter to the left, and then he, he kind of finished that. It didn't have to be a touchdown, but it was set up nicely, and, and kudos to the offensive line, who I've been dumping on this whole time for uh, setting up those blocks and everything else, getting down the field. Kudos to Jordan Love, too. It seemed like... See, and that's the thing. It seemed as sort of an easy play for everybody, but I think it was, what, two years ago, we could not complete a screen to save our lives. I think 2019, the screens were just an absolute embarrassment. I mean, Rodgers was literally missing passes. Some of those went into the dirt. Uh, The blockers were nowhere to be found. I mean, it was just... It was embarrassing. And these are starting... I mean, this is like, you know... Aaron Jones and Aaron Rodgers and David Bakhtiari and, and, you know, these guys could not. And, you know, Matt LaFleur's got a certain way of doing things, and they had to learn it. But point is, it's not necessarily as easy as everybody makes it out to be. And they called the right play at the right time, and everybody did their job, and Kylan did a great job, Jordan did a great job, the offensive line and tight ends did a great job, and they got a 22-yard touchdown. Kona says Funches probably catches that if he uses two hands. That, see, and that's one of those things, too, where I'm you know, i not mad at Funches necessarily. Again, when you got two guys in your face, he probably didn't even see the ball until the very last second. Um, definitely catch him. The, the only reason it's upsetting is because that would have been a massive highlight, not just for Devin, but for, for Jordan Love. And I want Jordan Love to have stuff like that, because if Funches doesn't catch it, everyone just says, what an idiot who throws it into double coverage. What a moron which of course is a terrible take because it cleared the defenders and hit the wide receiver in the hand. That's a fantastic throw. But because he didn't catch it, everybody gets to sit back and say, what an idiot, it's double coverage, you idiot. But if you throw it up into double coverage and both defenders miss and the wide receiver catches it, that's a highlight for the ages. And I just wish once in a while these guys would catch those passes. Because since college, again, since college that's been happening, these highlight reel throws. And again, I understand why Devin didn't, and he had a great day. I'm not mad, at it. I'm just saying once in a while... I'd like these guys to catch it so that Love can get the highlight reels that, that he deserves. Because some of these throws are just freakish. And the fact that, yeah, he threw it into double coverage, but you got two defenders jumping and it just went right over their fingertips and into the hands of Devin Funches. That's a beautiful throw, man. And when it's third down and you got nowhere else to go and you want to just give it up to the best receiver on the field who is Funchess and you put a dime into his hands, he deserved that highlight. With that throw, he deserved it. Dustin says, I think Love might have messed up on that play action. On fourth, everyone went left. He opened up to the right. Yep, that I think uh, LaFleur confirmed that. He kind of went the wrong direction, so that's not great. Justin says, Josh Jackson seems to be getting abused. He was. Anthony says, Kelly looks subpar at right tackle. Again, I didn't watch anybody individually, but I do know the tackles got wrecked. I know Yash for sure got wrecked, and I saw a couple times when the other side was getting beat too. I was hoping Kelly could hold his own. Um, I'll have to look and see. Let's see if PFF updated. It wouldn't be the late games anyways, but maybe we'll maybe we'll get... Oh boy, we got some grades now. 10 uh, new teams, which means five games have been added. Obviously not the Packers, but we will get a chance to look. I want to look right now. I have no patience. I just... Because I know Fields is going to have a good grade, and it's going to just annoy me. Nope, he didn't. He had a 58 overall grade, son. <laughs> oh it makes me so happy again he he was okay but there was nothing he did that was special and nobody wants to talk about the first half 58 overall grade for justin Fields. i'm putting that on twitter that makes me so happy it really does because again it wasn't that good and everyone's freaking out about it 14 of 20 70 completion um, 142 yards 7.1 average one touchdown zero interceptions Zero big-time throw percentage, which is a factor, right? Dinkin' and Duncan, whatever. Turnover-worthy plays, too. 8.3% of his passes were turnover-worthy plays. His average time to throw, get this. This is sickening. Average time to throw. How long did he hold the ball before he threw it? 3.76 seconds. He waited almost four seconds to even throw the ball. That ain't ever going to happen in the NFL. You wait 3.76 seconds... You're going to get sacked nine times in that game. That was on average time to throw. 3.76 seconds. Wow. So, (laughs) looking at uh, pressure and clean, he was 10 of 15. I hate to hijack this, but I just, this makes me happy. 10 of 15, 104 yards and a touchdown while clean. That was 16 of his dropbacks, eight of which he was under pressure, which is shocking. How could you be under pressure when you have that much time? Because he holds onto the ball for so long. He... His average, this is unbelievable, his average time to throw while kept clean was 3.16 seconds. Do you understand what that means? He was able to hold the ball for 3.16 seconds and not have any pressure. Do you know how long he held onto the ball before he had pressure? 4.96 seconds. The only time he had any pressure is when he held the ball for 5 seconds on average. My goodness gracious. 64 overall grade while he was kept clean. 54 overall grade while under pressure. He was not sacked one time. Get this, uh, play action. This is where he absolutely killed it. He had a 90 overall grade on play action. Seven dropbacks, four completions uh, on five attempts, 47 yards and a touchdown with no play action, which was 17 times. 10 completions on 15 attempts, 95 yards, 42 overall grade. So there you go. Good stuff, good stuff. Watch Jordan Love's going to have like a 40 overall grade or something. I don't even care. I don't care. Jordan Love's our backup. You can get out of my face. Justin Fields is your starter. By the way, Justin Fields, um, for the record, did have the highest grade of all of the uh, quarterbacks. Justin Fields, 58. Andy Dalton, 51. Nick Foles, 48 overall grade. So if it makes you feel better, Justin Fields is your best quarterback. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. All right, where were we? I suppose while we you know what, let's finish it and then we'll come back to PFF because I'm just, I'm having too much fun now. Justin says, how long was Stokes out there? Didn't hear his name called once. Yeah, same. Which which is good. When you're a corner, you don't want to hear their name called. But I saw him out there early and I swear it was like one drive and they pulled him. Let's see what the comments here are. Um, yeah, more or less just, I don't know what happened. John says, it looks like they're rushing Burks every down. It, it, it almost did. And like I said, when they weren't is when things didn't work. And that made me upset. Uh, Jeff says, Vernon Scott is making plays. That is pretty cool. It's a name you don't hear very often. Good for him. You're always happy to, to hear it. You know, these guys where it's like, you got to do something, man. And you know, like they they feel the pressure. They know if I don't start making plays, which is why I'm so happy for Oren. I've been very skeptical and I still am somewhat skeptical because again, there's a lot more to being a linebacker, but he knows. I mean, this guy has, I don't think he's made a positive play ever in all the years he's been here. And that's maybe unfair, but I'm serious. I don't remember him ever doing anything impressive He's been the worst graded linebacker, not just on the team, but in football, basically since forever. He's graded out in the 30s consistently since forever. I mean, he has been horrible. And so he has to know, like, I'm I'm about not just to be off the Packers, I'm about to be out of the league. And for him to have that big of a day, I hope he's having the best day of his life, not partying or anything, because he needs to put that on tape for a long time, but I hope he feels real good. I hope that was a motivating factor. I hope he realizes now that, hey, with this new defensive coordinator and this new scheme, people are about to see what I can do, and he gets a rush of confidence, and this is a new rejuvenated Oren Burks. I really hope so. Might have just been a fluke, but I'm hoping that something big is coming for that guy. Kona says a lot of up and down in the first half, some good, some bad. The main thing is there's a lot of opportunities to see what they can work on. And and that's that's very true and it's uh obviously what the primary thing they're trying to do is is, is evaluation. Again, the only complaint is some people didn't get as much evaluation because of the failure of others, but definitely a lot for them to go back and look at and clean up and that's that is the main goal and that be good for good for next week. Uh Gerard says love is pretty good, offensive line not so good, defense took a while to warm up but looking okay. I think that's all fair. Justin says, I know I've already mentioned him a few times, but I'm super disappointed to see Josh Jackson perform so poorly. Highly drafted, experienced now, and not showing anything impressive. Again, I agree. I mean, he's sort of like Oren. You got to put it together. You got to start putting something together, and he just, he hasn't done it. Scott's observations. Offensive line, three thumbs down. Love has been decent while the line gives him time. Uh, Burks, Black, Scott, Slayton seem to be all making plays. Again, I, I liked what Slayton did. Some people watched him and said he looked bad. I don't know. Um Josh Jackson is getting abused all game. Funches making his bid for the team. Special teams not so special. It seems like we're all kind of on the same page for a lot of this with a couple couple of dis- disagreements, but that's more or less where we're all at. Uh, Mario says Jordan Love is a stud. So he's on he's on the far end of that spectrum, which I'm obviously fine with. Williams says offensive line looks inconsistent in the first half. Players that look good. Funches, Burks, Heflin, uh bad, Jackson, Patrick, and the referees. I think all that is fair. Uh, Goose says, offensive line looked bad, Jackson looked worse, Love looked like a starting NFL quarterback, Funches making a case for a roster spot, run game was in the whiteness protect, oh, <laughs> I think he means witness, but it says whiteness <laughs> protection program. <laughs> That's racist, man. Funches is having a great game, says Dalton. <laughs> <sighs> trying to, I'm trying to get over that. Jason says, it looked like a preseason game where all the coaches wanted to see what they are working with on the depth chart. Funches definitely made his case, although he had some rust. Jackson decided he wanted to be released. Dylan looked a bit slow. Looks like they will need more practice. Yeah, so the the Dylan thing is tough. Um, this happened to him last year also. The very little reps that he got, he had nowhere to go, and he didn't go anywhere. Um the one time he really shined is when he had all game because eventually things opened up. And when they open up, he's he's a real force to be reckoned with. And just the simple fact, I mean, look, if, if Dylan was out there and he's the only one not doing anything, it's like, that's not great. But the fact that we had negative rushing yards for a while in this game, basically, I think, until Dexter apparently went out there and ripped off a bunch of big runs. I'm kind of upset now. I gotta, I'm gotta, i going to pay for Game Pass just to watch Dexter because I've been talking about this guy and how much I like him. And if he makes the team, I'm going to get, like, my first jersey. is going to be, you know, all this... Nonsense. That's probably not true anyways, but... And then I missed Dexter having a a good day. Dexter's mac and cheese. I still haven't posted that video. (laughs) Probably won't. I don't know. Anyways, a couple other quick observations here. Um, The second lowest overall team was the Minnesota Vikings, which, you know... I'm going to laugh about it because the Packers' grades aren't up yet, but obviously when you get whooped 6-33, uh, to 33, you're going to be graded poorly just like the Falcons lost 3-23 to 23 and they were the lowest graded. I'm sure the Packers are going to have terrible grades, but um, there's no grades yet, so I'm going to laugh at you guys. Anyways, for the Bears, only four guys had positive grades on offense. Um, I don't know if any of these guys are really starters. Cody Whitehair is basically the only one that graded out well. Defense did have some... some uh, pretty positive stuff. Khalil Mack actually did play. I can't believe that. They put Khalil... See, and this is this is the thing. You know, again, the the Packers put like nobody on the field. The Bears are putting starters out there. So that's that's rough. Khalil Mack 9 snaps, 54 overall grade. Not that they need to worry about him, but that's that's kind of crazy. Um but DeAndre Houston Carson had a 92.7 overall grade. He had a real good day. My man T's Tabor and Mike Pinnell. So there you got an old Packer that I think all of us kind of like. 78 overall grade. Tease Tabor with a 78.9. Digging that. But uh, again, unfortunately, a lot of the the, the starters like... Uh, Akeem Hicks had a 70, I guess. Um, Robert Quinn, 66. Khalil, 54. Bilal Nichols, 57. I'm not sure I even know who their starting corners are anymore. Anyways, uh, the Vikings... Again, mostly graded out poorly as far as their starters. Looks like they might not have played any. So at least they got that excuse, right? Just like the Packers. Like, we weren't good, but we had no starters, so whatever. Anyways, we'll we'll look at more of this stuff tomorrow. Uh, actually, we won't because I've got uh, Brady who's going to be in-house. Maybe we'll talk about it a little bit. He'll be in-house today. I mean, in studio, actually. I've never actually had somebody record with me in studio, but we'll be giving that a shot, see how that goes. And that'll be for tomorrow's podcast. But anyways, you folks have yourselves a fantastic day. I will talk to you tomorrow. Have a good one and goodbye.